This is the Edisto TV podcast, connecting the Blackwater region. And welcome to episode 32 of the Edisto TV podcast. I'm Hugo. And I'm Tom. And this week we're going to mostly talk about the subcommittee hearing for House Bill H3564. Uh, that hearing was held on the afternoon of Wednesday the 6th, started at about 2.30 in the afternoon, right on time, and then ran to well after 6 in the evening. And after hearing a lot of discussion from both sides, Representative Russell Ott summed his thoughts up like this. You know, we've had a, a lot of information given to it today, and I just want to say thank you to everyone that has shown up and, and sat here throughout the day um, and, and gave testimony on both sides. Um, and I understand that this is a very emotional issue. Um, and I've you know, been working on it with a lot of folks for quite some time. And to be frank with, frank with everyone, I've got friends in this room on both sides of the issue. So I get it. And I don't, you know, I don't take that lightly. Uh, and I want to make sure everyone understands that uh, you know, agriculture is my passion, farming is my passion, it always has been, and it probably always will be. But I grew up 10 miles from the Edisto River as well. And I want my two boys to be able to go fishing and catch red grouse on the Edisto River in the next 15 or 20 years as well. So um, it's a big deal for, for both folks, both sides of, of the issue. Um, and that's why I don't want us to rush into anything. That's why I don't uh, want us to be too quick to pull the trigger on something that might not be a fix for anyone in the room. It might not satisfy us later. That re requires us to come back to the table. Um, we've got a lot of people that have been working really hard. And I think it's going to require a lot more work later on down the road to be able to figure out if and when changes need to be made to this law. I don't think that any bill is perfect. I don't think the bill that was passed in 2010 was a perfect piece of legislation. Um, and I guarantee you we could all probably go and find some things that, that we could tweak if we would like to. And, and that's what my pledge is to everyone in this room is to continue to do that, continue to try to find ways to make the law better um, for farmers and non-farmers alike. But I don't think that this bill, this legislation that we have before us today is that. I just don't think that is the solution to the perceived problem that a lot of folks feel are in here. And I also believe that, quite frankly, it could have some extremely negative side effects to the hardworking farmers that are in this, this room. So I just don't think this is the bill, this is the vehicle, or the time that we need to be making any hasty decisions. So um, because of that, Mr. Chairman, um, you know, at the appropriate time, I'll probably support a motion to adjourn debate on it. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I got those thoughts out on the table um, before we move forward. Thank you. Yeah, so after uh, some discussion, uh, very little debate, really. They uh, voted 4-0. Uh, the subcommittee voted 4 to nothing to adjourn debate. Do you know what adjourn debate means? Tell me what adjourn debate means, Tom. <laughs> well, I think uh, it, 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 it's not good for our side. If, if, if you're proposing that, that, that this law get passed, um, it's not good. But um, it, it means it's not completely off the table forever, but um, probably not going to see anything else happen at least for a while. Yeah, it, 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 what, what I understood was that basically it's not as if they voted down the bill and sent it out with a bad recommendation from the subcommittee. They, they simply 
voted to adjourn debate, as, as as the vote says. So it's sort of lying there waiting to be reawakened maybe next legislative term or whatnot. Uh, we're going to be talking to some folks in the next few weeks about where we go from here, but basically looks like the legislative effort for now is at a pausing point. Well, let's uh, let's let uh, Representative James Smith uh, explain to us a little bit more about where we're at. What took place yesterday was an important step in the legislative process. We had a subcommittee hearing on the bill I've introduced to basically establish a, a very reasonable uh, guideline for the uh, uh, permitting of, of you know, surface water withdrawals. Uh, the, it was about a three-and-a-half, four-hour hearing uh, in which – uh, committee, uh, subcommittee, and a number of additional House members uh, listened to testimony. They adjourned debate on the bill, so this means it does not proceed. Uh, I talked with a number of members today who, who know that this is something that's going to have to be done. Unfortunately, we did have some issues with the phone line on that conversation, so we weren't able to record all he had to say. But as Representative Smith said in his remarks at the hearing, he does remain convinced that sooner or later the existing law is going to need changes. And he seems committed to staying the course and continuing the effort to make those changes before we find ourselves in a crisis situation that threatens real harm to our rivers. Yeah, so um, we uh, earlier today talked to Doug Busby, who's who's been a leader of this fight, and um, I thought it would be worth getting a few words from him. Uh, about uh, where we stand on this. Yep, and he was actually with Murphy Librand when we got him on the phone, so you may hear a little bit of Murphy chiming in there as well with his uh, unique perspective right. on the legislative process. Absolutely. We heard from a lot of concerned farmers, and the Farm Bureau had brought in uh, several busloads of, uh, of their, a lot of them were, were board members and uh, concerned farmers, a lot of them from the upstate. And we heard heard it, uh, you know, a lot about not hurting the little farmers, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with it. And and I do realize that that uh, the three million gallon threshold would make some of the small farmers go through a permitting process unnecessarily. Um, but fact is, we've got to we've got to have some kind of instrument to to regulate the the, the, the giant farms. And um, that that was my take on it. Now, what kind of tool or what kind of instrument uh, the legislature can come up with different, I don't know. But the fact is we've still got a problem. We had an occurrence on August 29th of last year where the, the safe yield amount of the river was four times the actual amount of the river. There was four times, in other words, the river four times the amount that was actually in the river could be withdrawn. And that's, that's what's been uh, DNR's concern the whole time for the, for the last over five years now. DNR has spoken out uh, about it, and uh, that, that was their concern from the get-go. And, and, and we're, I'm concerned for our farmers as, as they are. But, but if, we, we, if we over-allocate our resource, there will be no water for no one. And I don't know if the Edistone River isn't, isn't already overallocated. It very well may be. We know there's a connection between ground, groundwater and surface water. Dr. Chappelle and, and, and USGS has spoken out about it. And there well may be already an overallocation of water in relationship to the Edistone because of its unique characteristics. 
Murphy, you got anything to add? Well, I mean, as far as the meat yesterday, one thing that surprised me is we didn't have any input from DNR or from DAG in the meat. They were both in attendance. Somewhere. But neither one of them brought it. Nobody even said hello. No. Um. <coughs> I, I think our our state agencies are are as baffled by what to do as we are. Uh, they they need guidance. They need a law that will that will guide them uh, and and uh, and protect our rivers. But right now the law is very vague and very open. It's like having a, a highway with no speed limit. I did hear a good uh, good word today that our our gauge at Cato Bridge is working now. The flow gauge is working, so so you can see the actual cubic feet per minute. And and where we go from now. Um, I think ultimately uh, Russell Ott was right. Representative Ott was right. Uh, what we were what we were doing with the going through the permitting process, uh, it, it it was a band-aid. It was a band-aid. It was a quick fix to a very complicated problem. And uh, and the deep roots of that problem go back to safe yield. And when you start talking about safe yield, it drags uh, it drags the power companies, it drags manufacturing, it drags agricultural agricultural city municipalities, it drags them all into the game. And uh, that's going to be a deep, hard fact. And that's that's one we were hoping to avoid. But but uh, it's got to be addressed. Uh, it's, safety has got to be addressed or we will, we will over-allocate our resources. So there's a little look into where Doug thinks we stand now and, and, and where we're going. Tom? Give me your thoughts on, on, on what happened on Wednesday. I, I mean, in, in some senses, I think it was an interesting opportunity to really hear what the issues were from Farm Bureau, because for the longest time, their stance was that what we wanted was something that they didn't want, but we weren't getting a lot of you know, meat on the bone. It, it seems like a lot of what their issue is, is that they are concerned that putting all farmers on the permitting process at the threshold of 3 million gallons a month, they feel like brings in a lot of small farmers who are going to find the permitting process to be a burden to them, either financially or in terms of time yeah, and effort. and I mean, that's a, that's a very good argument. Um, I don't know that Farm Bureau will ever support a permitting system of any sort. So, so we have to at least think about uh, if that doesn't happen, what do we do? Because, you know, Farm Bureau keeps saying that the system works. Well, the system works because they had a bunch of people go completely ballistic, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when they found the potato farm. That is a very, you know, that's, I don't know if that's going to work over and over again. And I don't think that's a good system. Yeah, it, it was interesting to me that a lot of what Farm Bureau had to say um, when their people who were with them wearing their stickers were getting up and talking really wasn't focused on stuff that was in any way part of the conversation that we thought we were going to have about this particular bill. Right. They, they were talking a lot about um, sort of not wanting restrictive regulation and, and, and a sort of restrictive regulatory environment in general. Um, we heard a lot of comments about things like the chicken house 
uh, permitting process. Right. And, and they, they were holding that up as an example of, of how a permitting process yeah. could be a burden to a farmer. It seems to me that most of the folks that came in there were mostly just talking about the importance of irrigation. It's as if someone had told them this was about a group of people who want to stop you from watering your crops. So it, it really, I, I do think their misinformation to their own people you know, had an effect that was positive for them. But most of the folks coming in were really just saying how important it is to water uh, the crops. Yeah, one of the things that they kept bringing up was how they were concerned that if the law was changed that they wouldn't be able to irrigate out of farm ponds. Right. And and if you read the law, farm ponds have never been part of the regulatory structure. You don't need a, a registration to full from a farm pond now. Under a permitting scheme, you still would not need a permit to pull from a farm pond. So that was kind of a red herring that yeah, absolutely. kept getting brought up in it. Yeah. Um, all in all, though, I thought that the tone of the discussion was actually quite respectful and, and you know, polite. Nobody got out of hand. Nobody had to be escorted from the room. Right. Well, we were all warned in advance <laughs> what the rules are, so we all tried to behave ourselves. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, watching the sausage made, you know, is, is, is not – not much fun, and, and I do have a lot of respect for these guys um, on both sides of the argument who who are really working hard up there and, and trying to uh, do things that matter for the state, and I know that we have a lot of issues, but um, the problem I have is, is Farm Bureau has not really acknowledged that there's a problem, so um, I understood that you uh, talked to uh, Representative Russell Ott after. Is that right? I did speak to Representative Ott. Um very uh, interesting. He mentioned that he listens to our podcast. Ta-da! Fan so, number two has been found. <laughs> he actually didn't use the word fan, but he, 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 he did seem to appreciate what we're doing in terms of, of talking about the issue. And while we were having that conversation, I did invite him to come on the podcast. He said he would. He asked that we not be too tough on him. He doesn't know us. We're cream puffs. Right. Well, I, th I, think, he, I think we should definitely talk to uh, Representative Ott. I mean, clearly he is a leader of the... Uh, on the Farm Bureau perspective on this argument. On, and, uh, and I mean, with, with no pejoratives attached, he, he did, before he became a representative in the South Carolina House, work for Farm Bureau as a lobbyist. So, so he is in a fairly unique position to be able to talk about this from a legislative perspective and from the Farm Bureau perspective. So we genuinely would like to take him up on his uh, kind offer to appear on the podcast, and you can look for him in future weeks. Uh, future weeks. Yeah, I hope we can talk to him soon um, because I think he, he needs to uh, lead the way to, to a solution here. But doing nothing, which is what Farm Bureau keeps recommending, is a terrible idea. All right. And with that, we are going to move on. We're going to have lots of chances to talk about this some more. But uh, let's go to some uh, other activity. We mentioned it in the last podcast as an upcoming event. And uh, we went down to the Audubon Sanctuary at the Francis Beidler Forest uh, last Saturday for the book event that the Joggling Board Press had down there for Larry and Rosie Price's book. Uh, on the Edisto. Tom, you were there for several hours more than I was. Yeah. Uh, what were your overall it, impressions? It, it's really nice. It's a beautiful place. We're very fortunate to have that in South Carolina. Um, I believe it's 17,000 acres uh, currently. That's um, part of the Audubon uh, Sanctuary there. Um, they're really working hot. They have people donating properties to them. They've got people nearby that are putting their uh, land into conservation easement. So, I mean, it's it's a beautiful swamp, and um, 
I had the pleasure uh, walking through uh, on a birding to- birding bird watching tour, um, and I brought Doug Busby. That was his b- first birding walk, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we saw a couple of owls together. We saw some. Uh, I think we saw over forty two different um, types of birds, and um, at least three or four snakes. Um, it was really nice. Uh, be, really, the, the guys who run things down there are, are super nice, um, very, very well informed. And I mean, if you have any interest in birds, you go there, you'll see a bunch of birds that you've probably never seen before. And you've got an expert there, you know, who, who knows every single sound of every one of them and uh, really good stuff. Yeah, man, they've been there for, I think, about 35 years. They're, they're well set up. Um, you, you don't have to get down in the mud or anything. There's the boardwalk, and they give you a nice guide that introduces you to a lot of the features that you're going to see out there on the boardwalk when you go out there. If you want a guide, they have those kind of, uh, you know, walk and talk uh, programs on a regular basis. They also do paddling trips, and because there's not really any public boat access into the Four Hole Swamp, uh, if you want to see that unique piece of South Carolina, the way you do that is you get in touch with the Audubon Sanctuary at the Francis Beidler Forest, and you say, hey, I want to take one of your canoe trips. Um, this time of year, you sign up for a canoe trip. They have a canoe trip. Um, other times of the year, if there aren't enough participants, uh, they will sometimes try to, you know, not have a trip with just one person on it so they'll try to reschedule those kind of trips but this time of year if you want to go canoeing and they have one scheduled you show up they'll take you out in the swamp yep the other thing that was cool is always good to see larry and rose price they sold a bunch of their books they had i did meet another fan i guess fan number three <laughs> after <laughs> representative ott um he goes by brett cephas swamp wrecker he, he he does a lot of stuff on our Edisto uh, Concerns Facebook page, and he is a huge river rat. He lives right on the river down near, uh, I think it's Jacksonboro, somewhere down in there. And um, he is passionate about the river. He works nights. He spends most days on the river. Um, super nice guy. I met him and his wife, and um, they came up to buy a book from, from uh, and get autographed by the prices. So, that was really cool. Uh, met the folks at Joggling Board Press who were very uh, nice. And so it was It was all, all in all a really nice day out in the swamp. All right. Well, I enjoyed it as well. Always good to see Larry and Rosie. Uh, nice to meet the folks from the Joggling Board Press as well. They had some excellent barbecue. And uh, you know how I am about some excellent barbecue. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Joggling Board Press folks also were putting on some uh, creativity storytelling workshops. And they have a storytelling project that they are launching uh, if you're interested in that, you might visit their uh, their website, and I think you'll probably find some information about that. Yeah, good stuff. All right, what else is new, Tom? Let's touch some of those uh, online new items, and then we'll uh, yeah. call it a day. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's much more to say. It's mostly been about this. We've been trying to promote. We've tried to bring get a good crowd out there for the hearing, um, but but the reality is that, that that decision about that law was made long before that meeting started, and and. Uh, but I think we made a good showing. We let people know this is a serious issue. There's farmers involved. There's people on, on from all over every walk of life in South Carolina that are concerned about these uh, giant mega farms coming in and the fact that they can legally take an, an entire river dry. It's a huge risk that we're, we're uh, taking on. And um, but anyway, we we uh, I think we have a good good group show up and and it was all good. 
All right. Um, on the Internet this week, we've got the Bamberg Chambers uh, canoe and kayak trips starting up again. That's Jerry Bell's group, and uh, they have a link that we will provide for their upcoming trips. If you're looking for a way to get out and explore the Edisto, but you're maybe not ready for full-on uh, journey into the unknown, that's a, a good way to get out and meet some nice folks and, and paddle the river. Um, we are also putting up on Edisto TV and Edisto Concerns, and I think scriversforever.org is also going to have lots of links to coverage. We, we put a bunch of stuff up leading to the subcommittee hearing, and there's been a good bit of stuff that's uh, in the press coming out of that subcommittee hearing, so we'll provide some links to that. Another thing, American Rivers, as you know, has listed the Edisto, and they're devoting the month of May to the Edisto from that list of most endangered rivers. As part of that, they have posted a video that we put together here at Edisto TV for them. Uh, you can view it on the American Rivers YouTube channel, and we're going to provide that link in the show notes. Um, I think that the video does a nice job of introducing the Edisto. Hopefully folks can watch it and get both a flavor of what the river has to offer and also... Um, a little perspective on the issue that we're facing with the surface water question. I think you did a great job on the video. It's well, really good. Didn't and, uh, do it alone. Appreciate the help. Yep. I think it came out good. Um, one other thing I will mention, coming up probably next week, I think we need to go ahead and get it out of the hopper. We did record an uh, interview a few weeks back with one of the AR staffers on water efficiency. And so we will have her on um I, let, let's shoot for that in next week or, or, or the next episode, episode 33. Um, so we have that coming up. Tom, anything, uh, final words, parting thoughts? Nope. Nope. Okay. So that's episode 32 of the Edisto TV podcast. We will be back with a brand new episode in two weeks on May 22nd. I'm feeling like water efficiency is going to be strongly featured on that. I think that's a great idea. Water okay. efficiency. I think, you know, that's the thing is is we need uh, – that. that's a really important issue I think that we all need to look at and uh, part of the solution to this problem. Thanks again for listening. That was Episode 32. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. <clears throat> Bye. This is the Edisto TV Podcast, produced by Edisto TV, connecting the Blackwater region. 